Welcome to New Mexico in Focus, the podcast for Monday, December 5th, 2022. I'm Lou DeVizio. Happy Monday to you. I hope your weekend treated you well. Maybe you got out, maybe into the holiday spirit a little bit to start December. I know my wife and I did. We went to Old Town Friday night uh, to watch the tree lighting, and that really was a lot of fun. Of all of the events that I've been to in Albuquerque, this was definitely one of my favorites just because of how relaxed everyone was with the only intention of bringing in the holiday season together. It was really nice. We hung out at Downshift Brewing and sat on their balcony on the edge of the plaza. That was a great spot overlooking the tree. There were also some awesome musical acts there too. Ton of fun to listen to. I want to give a shout out to the one that really stood out to me. It was the Roadrunner Brass Band. They had a really cool funky jazz sound and you could tell that they were out there just having a good time together. So if that sounds like something you'd like, I definitely recommend checking them out. As for the show today, Gene Grant recently spoke with the executive director of Common Cause New Mexico, Mario Jimenez, about a new poll that showed broad support for changes to our state legislature. The poll asked about things like lengthening sessions, growing legislative staff, and paying lawmakers. You'll hear that interview in about five minutes, but for right now, let's get to the headlines impacting New Mexicans. Former U.S. Congressman Steve Pierce has been re-elected for a third term as chairman of the Republican Party of New Mexico. That's after criticism for the GOP's failures in the midterm election. Pierce won election for the leadership post with more than 55% of the vote, according to a statement from the party. Sarah Jane Allen, the first vice chair of the Bernalillo County Republican Party, was the closest challenger, earning 20% of the vote. Three others also ran for the position. With re-election, Pierce will serve another two years, taking the party through the 2024 election. Two automatic recounts in state house races have officially been ordered. The state canvassing board made that announcement last week as the three-person body unanimously certified New Mexico's 2022 election results. That came after canvassing boards in all three counties certified their individual results. Races in State House Districts 32 and 68 are headed to an automatic recount because the margin of victory was so close. The State Canvassing Board will meet again on December 13th to certify those recounts. Thousands of New Mexicans could lose their preferred health insurance in the coming months. The current contract between Loveless Hospitals and United Healthcare is set to expire in January. And if it does, Loveless will move out of network for nearly all United patients, impacting more than 13,000 people. If the deal lapses, United customers will still have access to other in-network providers. This week on The Line, Gene Grant and our Line Opinion panelists explain what goes into a contract dispute like this, and they also debate the likelihood of the contract lapsing before a deal is reached. You can watch that segment on the New Mexico and Focus YouTube page or on the PBS app on your Roku or Smart TV. Common Cause New Mexico is a group with the stated goal of strengthening and maintaining democracy in our state. Recently, they put out the results of a poll from Research and Polling, Inc. that shows broad public support for modernizing the state legislature. Friday, Gene caught up with Common Cause Executive Director Mario Jimenez for a Facebook Live interview to examine what those findings mean for the future of our legislature. Here's Gene. The first week of December, if you're going to believe that, where did the year go? It's amazing. We just came through Thanksgiving, and now we have Christmas and the New Year pressing on us, which also means right after that, we have our legislative session teed up, ready to go in January. And we are very pleased to have with us today the Executive Director of Common Cause New Mexico, Mario Jimenez. 
Mario and his group have released a, well, I'm, we're going to consider at New Mexico PBS a very important poll that we want to let you know about in case you haven't heard about it. And if you have, we're going to flush it out a little bit. And that is how New Mexicans feel about our legislature in three specific areas, session length, salaries, and staffing. And how do we step up or level up, as the kids say, <laughs> to the next uh, set of um Governance, I guess, is the best way to put it. Mario, welcome. Really appreciate your time today. Thank you for having me. Really appreciate you talking about these extremely important topics. And they're going to do a lot of good in moving New Mexico forward and really assist in taking some of the money out of politics, I think, as well. That's an interesting point. Let's put a pin on that. I want to talk about that a little bit later, about money out of politics with a, a newer scheme. In broad strokes, uh, who did you hire for the poll? What was the intent? What did you want to find out at Common Cause? Yeah, so uh, in collaboration with uh, a few uh, local groups, as well as some, some independent individuals, and, and, and with funding from the Thornburg Foundation, we were able to commission a poll through Research and Polling, um, who's, who's a well-known uh, uh, polling firm here out of New Mexico. And really the goal was to see where New Mexicans uh, feel about modernizing or professionalizing our legislature you know, what we can do to help improve the process. And, and as you mentioned, there's three key goals really circulating around it. Uh, those being, you know, actually paying our, our legislators who are currently unpaid, receive a stipend. And of course, uh, hiring them full-time paid staff, which they currently do not have. And a lot of uh, New Mexicans are unaware of. Mm -hmm. And lastly, extending um, the length of the sessions, uh, which a lot of people are still unsure of that we have 30 and 60 day sessions so to cram in all of the various pieces of legislation to try to help uh, improve our laws in the state. So those are really the three main components that, that are circulating around this poll. Mm -hmm. Interesting points there. Let's kind of sort of top line it, so to speak. There are some shocking results in here. <laughs> I, I mean, we've been kind of kicking it around over at uh, New Mexico PBS since you guys released this. And it really stunned. It's very, very stunning in a lot of regards. Let's talk about uh, session. What was the first one you did? Session length. Um, what were the results there? Because again, I, I think if you if you've not lived other places, and this is not a put down for folks certainly who live here, but understanding what a full time session looks like and feels like versus how we do it now is an awfully big leap. What did you guys find when it came to session length? Yeah, so this was actually one of the the largest uh, numbers that we saw. I mean, we saw uh, a vast majority across party lines. Uh, I, I want to say it was it was around seventy percent. Of, of those who are surveyed uh, do feel like we need to have uh, lengthened uh, sessions. Now, we often see in the final weeks of either the 30 and or the 60-day session where bills are just being crammed into, into committees and passed in the middle of the night where when the most of the public are, are not having a watchful eye on what's going on. By extending, by extending our sessions, not only do we provide uh, more time for the public to be involved in the legislative session, but you know, also another important component is giving our legislators and their, their, their administrative staff time to properly research the legislation that is before them. Yeah. So they're not making you know, decisions late at night when they're already tired uh, or just you know, making decisions on the seat of their pants because it's something that's needed. Um, I think we do need to provide them with a little bit more time as well as resources uh, to make the, the good decisions 
on behalf of the people of New Mexico, make sure they have all the information needed um, and the components needed to move forward with that legislation to actually make sure it can be appropriately implemented, not just passed. Mm -hmm. You know, interestingly, for folks that don't know, uh, just for perspective, um, we have, um, let's see, a lot. Of, oh, this is the third shortest session in the country. The third shortest. I mean, I've had many people, Mario, and probably you guys at Comic Cause as well, who are new here, moved here last five, 10 years. And their, their number one question is like, how does anything get done in, in the length of time? And then once you, the other part about it, Mario, is the gamesmanship that can play when you have finite times, meaning you could back everything to the last 48 hours of the session. You know what I mean? It's sort of log rolling starts there, gamesmanship starts there, all that kind of thing. Let me give some of the results here, folks, on the poll for session length. I find this fascinating. Seven in 10 voters, seven in 10 voters say here in New Mexico, say they would strongly support 46% or somewhat support 24% adding up to that total number there, extending the number of days in each legislative session compared to the 20% who oppose. I, I'm curious, I, I know you didn't kind of dive into the oppose part. Any guesses on who, who, who and why people would oppose to a longer session, Mario, by any chance? You know, it's, it's really hard to say. We didn't have a follow-up question to ask, you know, what was the reasoning behind? Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, it, it, it's really hard to just take a guess and a stab at why it is that they would oppose that. And, you know, I would imagine really that it is, you know, a lot of people have misconceptions of what our legislature actually does uh, versus what they don't do. Yeah. Um, so I think that could be a big component to it is, you know, we don't need them talking about bills even longer to, you know, make bad legislation. It could be something as simple as that, an assumption on behalf of the public, not knowing exactly what goes into a legislative session. Right. And for folks um, wondering who might be supportive of this, this is interesting to me as well when it comes to session length. 76% of Democrats, 64% of Republicans, and 64% of independents. I don't know about you, bro, but to me, that sounds like strong support across the board. Is that what you're gleaning at Common Cause? Very strong support, absolutely. And, and you know, the way these questions were developed and, and posed to, to individuals who were called, uh, was was done tactfully. Uh, you know, first we obviously want to see where the public understands what is their knowledge of our legislature. Right. So one of our first questions was about their their pay, and you know, surprisingly, very very few people understood that that they were being paid. Um, and then as we began to transition to other questions, uh, you know, here are here are areas in which we may be able to you know uh, improve our legislative process. And as those questions were asked. As, as you just mentioned, across the board, we saw support from both sides of the aisle, as well as individuals who are unaffiliated. Um, so as you mentioned at the top of the hour, I think these are very, very good poll numbers. Um, I think it really goes to show that uh, citizens of New Mexico would like to see some improvements at our roundhouse. Yeah. Let's go to salaries now. That's a big one. It's a stopper for a lot of people. There's a lot of rumors out there. What you folks uncork, though, with this uh, uh, poll is somewhat shocking. Uh, go ahead and tell the folks what you guys found about how people think legislators are being paid now versus the reality of how they're being paid now. Yeah, for, well, ab absolutely. But first, what I'd like to actually bring up is, you know, what we see a lot in, in, in mainstream media. 
Mainstream media, we hear a lot of talk about VC. We hear a lot of talk about, you know, the slow, slow down, the bog down, nothing's happening. You know, they, they get paid, you know, buku bucks to come and go. They get to fly back and forth, unlimited use of the U.S. mail. And immediately, you know, there's association with our local legislators. And that's just not true. So there's a disconnect there um, from an understanding of how uh, legislation and our legislators operate in, in the DC spectrum versus our, our local legislators. Mm -hmm. So in doing so, we, you know, we posed the question to, to uh, uh, likely voters who were surveyed, how much do you think that our legislators are compensated? And, you know, I'll just jump to one of the biggest numbers that really blew me up, blew me away was only 2% of those were surveyed knew that our legislator is unpaid only 2%. Wow. So if you can imagine, you know, that's an awful lot of people who have a misconception that, you know, we have individuals that are going to Santa Fe and think they're making big bucks. Right. And, and that's just not the case. And I think, again, that goes back to where we need to, you know, properly educate uh, uh, our, our citizens of what exactly our legislators do um, and how they're compensated. Mm -hmm. And, you know, within those numbers, we found that there was 64% of likely voters, again, this is across the board, uh, Democrats, Republicans, as well as individuals who are un unaffiliated, who now support the concept of paying our legislators. Mm. So I think that is, again, very good numbers. It shows you know, that there are individuals within New Mexico, a vast majority of, of individuals in New Mexico, who would like to see our legislators paid, compensated for the work that they are doing on behalf of the people. Interesting point there. Let me give the folks some numbers that you guys found. 64% support, meaning support strongly or somewhat support, uh, paying legislators a base salary equivalent to the average household income in New Mexico. I'm going to put a pin in that. I want to come back to that on the how much uh, to pay these folks. Um, and then who decides the salary? Actually, just get into it uh, at this point. It, interesting in those numbers, where does the base salary equivalency uh, to New Mexico households. Was that part of the question uh, put out there for folks or, or did that just sort of come out in the conversations? The actual the actual dollar amount was not given just but it was just a, a basic question of should it be equivalent to the average household? Gotcha. Now now there's two different there's two different types that are being kicked around the actual average household or an average professional uh, income as you know we are looking at professionalizing our legislature. So should they be paid an average household income or an average professional income? Hmm. Both of which are, are, are a little different, of course. What, what's, the, what's the average for both in New Mexico? Up top you know, we're looking at 75 to 80 for a professional and some around 50 to 65 for an average household. You know, so you'd be floating around some between, you know, 50 to 80,000 uh, uh, as, as an annual income. Yeah. But again, this is these are all numbers that ultimately would have to come from our legislature and or, as you just mentioned, uh, something that was discussed within our poll is who should be setting these salaries? Should it yes. be the legislature themselves or an independent uh, uh, entity, whether that be the State Ethics Commission or another independent entity that you know can be created and or you know by pulling a few uh, different departments together, however that may look, um, has not been fully fully fleshed out. However, I think the important thing that we see there is we see that New Mexicans do not want legislators setting the salary for themselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Interesting point there. 
Uh, off the top of your head, is you know this discussion about professional level salary for paid legislators around that eighty grand mark has been out there for a while. Somehow, I don't know why it just eighty thousand seems to come up a lot. But there's also a gag factor, if you get my drift here. In New Mexico, you know, to pay people that are perceived to be in the middle of getting lots of you know juicy things and life is pretty good anyway, to pay all these folks eighty thousand plus. I, you know, we're going to have to have a constitutional vote on this at some point. Is that palatable to the average New Mexican? That's an awful lot of money if you're not in that professional side of the world. You know, I think it can be, and I think it is palatable. And, and the reason being is, so first we have to take a look at the status quo. Okay. Status quo, we have a legislature, again, who is unpaid and does not have a full year-round staff. They only have temporary staff during the legislative session, as well as analysts who are tasked, you know, with with reviewing sometimes up to five different categories or issues that, that, that are assigned to them. So if we can not only look at paying our legislature, but also look at modernizing by the, providing them full time staff and analysts who can properly research and take the time to become uh, uh, experts themselves in the various fields of legislation that may be brought to them, mm -hmm. our legislature is gonna be less dependent on our lobbyists, less dependent uh -huh. on, on our lobbyist gifts, less dependent on the lobbyist meals, because they no longer are gonna to need to have those one-on-one -on -one conversations with these various lobbyists who are uh, experts in these particular fields and have more time to dedicate to these various fields than the analysts that they currently have on staff. So again, this is a great segue into the next, ne the, 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 uh, the next part of our poll, which is again, paying staff. And I think that is another thing that's gonna assist with these various issues uh, in modernizing our legislature to help us again, move forward. Mm -hmm. As an ex-congressional staffer, I'm very sensitive to this and staffer in other places too. What do we gain from having more staff uh, for folks out there? Because again, we're talking about value for the money. If this is going to go out there to the public, we're going to have someone's going to have to make a value case, basically saying, if we pay this amount of money, here's what you can expect. That's wildly better than what we're having now, and not just a little bit, but way, way better. What do we gain with with more staff? You touched on it. You know, we, lobbyists are de facto staff right now. But again, that pitch to the public. How how did how does well, that get put out there? In addition to to you know limiting uh, you know the, the 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 power in in your lobbyists, I think one of the biggest benefits that you're going to see, and I think this is something that you can appreciate from from your past life as well, is constituent services. Yes. I mean, right now, with right now, our legislature is out of session, so the vast majority, with the exception of those in leadership, do not have an individual to assist them with constituent services. What people do not understand is our legislatures themselves are receiving hundreds of correspondence daily through email, through text message, through social media. And that one person is operating as their own office. That one legislature is responsible for getting back to each and every single one of those correspondence. So a lot of times you will have a constituent who has a very important issue that gets lost and buried in hundreds of emails, hundreds of text messages, hundreds of voicemails. I mean, quite often I hear in, in talking to the public, well, there's no point in me calling my legislator, their voicemail is full, without an understanding that they, have, they may have a full-time job in addition to having their family at home, in addition to having to respond to each and every single correspondence 
themselves. Mm -hmm. um, so by providing them with an, a staff member who can assist them with those constituent services, attending meetings that they may not be able to attend because there's so many different ones that may be scheduled around the same time. Right. A lot of these districts are quite large. Um, so it would be very difficult for someone to travel from the northern part of their district to the southern part of the district to make another community meeting. Um, it, it, it's a very difficult task uh, for our legislatures to perform on their own. And by providing them with that staff, again, it's going to provide the ability for individuals in the public to have a, a better connection uh, with the legislature who is serving them. Mm -hmm. I can't, I can't uh, say enough how much I appreciate you saying these words because if you kind of picture it in your mind's eye, Mario, if you've got one of those districts, those large districts you're mentioning, but you've got two staffers, not 12, not 20, just two who are in the district, in the in your, you know, reporting up to you all year long, it makes a huge difference in the communication loop, doesn't it? Because you're not, it's not some old fashioned, you know, 1930s thing, you go home, you gather all the information, then you bring it back the next year, <laughs> what you found out. We need real-time communications, don't we, when, when you're on the ground? You're absolutely right. And that's the era we're in, right? I mean, we're in the era of, 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 of you want fast service, whether that be food or whether that be communications. Right. And, and in the era of, of quick and fast communications, we need to get out of 1912 and get into 2022. And we need to make sure that our not not only our legislature is being provided the tools they need, but ultimately what it all boils down to is make sure that the public is receiving the service that they deserve. That's a good point there. That's a very good point. Let's get into this. Actually, let me go back to something. My fault there on on a salary. Uh, I need to back up on something here real quick. One of the things that concerns me, Mario, is if we do go to a scheme where the public or or out of the next legislative session or whatever it happens, we're able to put something out there for the public's consumption. My worry is about the compromise that always seems to happen in our session that ends up watering down everything. And, and, and particularly at this point, if we end up paying people $80,000, I could see a system in committee where people say, all right, you want staffers? You're going to have to pay for them out of that 80 grand. You know what I mean? You're going to, you know, it's not going to be a separate line item. It's not going to be a separate thing. And then we're going to have this whole scheme where you got some legislators feeling like, well, I can still do this myself <laughs> and pocket all the dough. Do you worry about something like that where things get sort of politicized on the way here? Because this is going to be a highly emotional subject. Whenever money's on the table in New Mexico, it's a very emotional subject. Can you see something like that happening? You know, I, I can see that being brought up in a discussion, uh, but I don't see that happening as a reality. And, and the main reason is th these really are two separate issues. Okay. Um, um, as, as you briefly touched on, in order to pay our legislatures, we would actually have to go to a constitutional amendment. So it would have to go to a ballot vote. Uh, the voters would have to approve it. And then, of course, then move forward with, with legislation on, you know, who is going to, unless we work it into the Constitution as well, um, who is going to be setting these salaries, right? And then so that discussion would then uh, evolve. However, one thing that, the, that the, our legislators can take action on today in the upcoming 2023 legislative session is constituent services, is a paid staff. So they can take that up right now without any, any constitutional amendment. They can simply pass legislation and move forward with that. So if we separate these two issues, as they should be. However, they, they as, as we've discussed, they, they do commingle and they do support one another very, very well. Um, we would not be looking at a, a paid legislature for at least another two cycles. 
for, for, as I just mentioned, we would have to put one on the ballot before we can move forward, right? As opposed to moving forward with a paid staff, that is something that I think is even more important because again, it's gonna provide the constituent services needed and the quick response times uh, to the constituents of their district much quicker. And, and again, it can be done now. So there's no need to hold back or wait on that subject when I think ultimately that is the biggest thing that is that is hindering us is making sure that we are getting the input from the public, not just the lobbyists. Now that is actually fascinating that those two things are separate and don't need to be commingled and voted on. Because I'll tell you right, you know, I, I think you might have a good case this session for staff. Now, is there an outline you might be proposing for how it looks like, how many staffers, how much they're paid? Are you down the road a little bit on that at, at this point? <laughs> No, we have not really developed a, a, a full scheme of, you know, how things should work. Um, okay. So the paid legislature or a modernized, modernized legislature has been in conversation for several years now. Uh, you right. know, there, there are several groups of, of legislators who whoever are already spearheading this. Uh, so it is our goal uh, to work alongside them to make sure not only that we have the proper transparency needed uh, for the public and moving forward with these initiatives, but also to make sure that we are developing uh, the appropriate criteria needed uh, to make sure that we are giving those uh, those constituents the services that they actually need. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we want to make sure that we're not here providing you know you as as a legislator a, an opportunity to you know go hire your primos, go hire your cousins, and give them a job. Really, the goal is to make sure again that the the, the public is getting better services. And so we're going to continue these conversations uh, with these various groups, as well as the legislators, in hopes that we can develop something uh, that can be proposed and supported from both sides of the aisle, as I believe that that is ex extremely important uh, in moving forward with legislation. That's a good point there. Is there an opportunity this coming session to start the conversation on an independent salary commission? That, that would not take any, any votes or anything. Is there an opportunity in this uh, most upcoming session that you get that going? You know, I think there is. I really think there is, um, whether that be through a memorial or just right. general conversation through the introduction of, 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 of a constitutional amendment. Absolutely. Definitely conversations that need to continue. Um, you know, we, we obviously see the numbers. We see what the public uh, is in favor of. Uh, but now it's, start, it's time to start getting the, the ball in motion and, and identifying what is going to be the best outcome, not for just the very first round of making sure that, you know, we are modernizing through a paid legislature, but also something that, that can be in effect uh, for, for the future. Uh, we don't want to, you know, build this up to be, you know, a puzzle piece at a time. We want to make sure that whatever we come in with, is not something that's going to have to be reworked in, you know, the next legislative session. Again, this goes back to the discussion we had earlier about making sure that our legislation is properly vetted and it's not just passed uh, at the seat of our pants just to get it passed. Uh, we want to make sure, again, it is properly vetted and it, it's going to be for the best of, of New Mexico. Let's talk about Democrats and Republicans and independents. It's interesting with this poll, again, I've never seen a New Mexico poll with so much agreement across the board between all three. It might be, you know, precedent setting in, in a lot of ways, but you mentioned, uh, you know, this idea has been out there for a while. I'll remind folks, 2016, Representative Terry McMillan from Las Cruces proposed an amendment uh, for paid salaries. So this is not a new idea, but I mentioned uh, Mr. McMillan because he was a Republican and it, it or is a Republican. Sorry, Terry. I wonder if this is actually the opportunity, Mario. 
I, I really, honestly, I've never seen so much agreement between three political entities. Is this a moment? Is this the time to really strike here? You know, I really believe it is. And, and, and you know, there, there's several things that are pointing to that. I mean, if we look at the current political spectrum that we're seeing across the country, um, you know, it's been building up for quite some time where, where people are just sick of the politics. Let's just get down to business and, and do what's best for the people. And that, that's precisely what we're looking to do here. Mm -hmm. We're not looking to, to, you know, boast up one party over the other. We're looking at boasting up the public and the public's needs and the public's interest. Right. And, and, you know, currently we, we're seeing a, a, a shift in leadership as well on both sides of the aisle. So I think this is a really good opportunity to bring both parties and of leadership together to work on a, a subject matter that is obviously very important to New Mexicans. So yes, to answer the question very plainly, absolutely. I think we have a great opportunity here to bring both sides of the aisle together, actually in hopes that this can be just a stepping stone for them to continue to work on legislation together that is gonna directly impact the public. Mm -hmm. You know, it would be a, almost a dream to see leadership from both sides of the aisle before the session even starts come out with a, an announcement, say, hey, we're going to look at this, folks. This is time. You know what I mean? That would be very interesting. Another anecdote I want to get out there before we let you go, Mario. We're talking to Mario Jimenez. He's executive director at Common Cause. Um, why don't you give the folks, uh, is there a website folks can look at the poll, Mario, by the way, before we get too further down the road here? I uh, do not have it up on the website just yet. We're waiting okay. for a finalized poll. Once the poll has been finalized, uh, you know, it will be up and, and ready to view on, on our website commoncause.org. Okay. And we'll have it. We'll have a copy as well at, at New Mexico PBS. Once you guys uh, get that up. Um, interesting point here about, about on the poll. Um, I just lost it. Oh, 70% strongly support state legislators fully disclosing all sources of income, uh, transparency bills, so to speak. And now we've been down this road a little bit. And actually recently there was an idea that uh, all reported income over $600 be the amount. I think that followed some kind of federal uh, uh, scheme where th that amount, there was a lot of pushback on that because with the citizen legislature, you know, frankly, money comes in the household a lot of different ways. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? And, and it kind of can kind of come in in dribs and drabs. And the idea of reporting every, you know, I, I made this joke on the air at the time. Why, why is it anyone's business if your good for nothing brother-in-law who promised you for that 1500 for that trailer you sold him two years ago decides to pay you. Is that really anybody's business? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I hopefully in the conversation, we can have some kind of coherence about what makes up transparency and who needs to know what. I'm curious where you and Common Cause might be coming from on, on that regard. Yeah, you know, that's a good point. And, and, and as you mentioned, that has been a, a big argument for, for quite some time is, you know, I'm not paid as it is. Why should I have to disclose each and every single dollar that, that I'm bringing in? You know, and, and a lot of our, our legislature is either retired, um, uh, independently wealthy, work for a nonprofit, right. or, you know, have, have some other source of income um, that, that permits them to, to, to be there for the time that, 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 that's required of them. And, and in doing so, you have people who, as you mentioned, have various sources of income. It could be a retirement. Uh, it could be multiple retirements. It could also even be, you know, a side job that somebody may have. Um, may have. And, and yeah. you know, a lot of them don't want to report that. However, where we fall on the line of this is, of course, transparency. 
Transparency is key. And if we are going to have trust in our legislature, if we're going to have trust in those who are serving us, uh, we need to have trust in what their income is. You know, if, if you're receiving, you know, money from, from big oil and, and you're taking votes on, on, on these, these important issues and not disclosing that, that is an issue. Mm-hmm. And so we would like to know where each and every single one of our legislators stands on their income. I think it's very important whether they are, are a paid legislature or not, because at the end of the day, they are making decisions that is going to affect the livelihood of all New Mexicans mm-hmm. based off of some of that income. We don't know. And, the re- and we will not know until it's all fully disclosed. Mario, are we talking about personal income or household income? Because as you know, a lot of our legislators are married into or with, you know, lobbyists and other things. Are, are, are we asking that we disclose what the spouses is also bringing into the household? Is that part of it? Well, that would be another discussion. I, I think, you know, the first the first part is we do really need to focus on, on our elected officials yeah. making sure that their income is in fact reported uh you know as, as once we get into you know talking about lobbyists that's a totally different issue i think we need we do need to you know have a, a longer discussion about lobbyists specifically mm-hmm. and an understanding of where those lobbyist funds are coming through what they're being paid to to lobby on behalf of uh you know senator steinborn has had legislation on this in the past as well yeah. um, looking at making sure lobbyists are fully disclosing the legislate the legislation that they are lobbying on behalf of and what were they compensated on uh, for that for that particular piece of, of legislation? Mm-hmm. Um, so again, I think these are two totally separate issues, uh, but we definitely need to focus on making sure that the public has a clear understanding of those who are serving them and what it is that you know they're bringing in and how it could possibly affect uh, their vote. And if it is something that could affect their vote, you know, it's something that definitely needs to be disclosed. That's going to have to be a conversation. There's a lot to untangle there, as you know, mm-hmm. not saying as if you don't know, because you have a lot of adult children in the house. You have a lot of adult children who have business interests with their parents. You see what I mean? There's a lot of complicated issues here when it comes to income. Quite the slippery slope. Yes, it is. <laughs> Something our, our producers uh, discovered and found interesting, and uh, I do too now, and I think the folks might too, is likely voters between 18 and 34 polled strongest in favor of paying legislators with 78% voting in favor, which is an unbelievable number. Why do you think the support for pay is so strong with newer voters, Gen Z and millennials, compared to older voters, uh, you know, between 35 and 64, it came in at 64%, and seniors only 56%. That is, is the future speaking loudly here? You know, I, th- I think they absolutely are. And, you know, this is a trend that we have been seeing over the last couple of years, right? I mean, mm-hmm. if you look at voter turnout, even we're seeing, typically, you used to be able to look at our older generations as being the vast majority of individuals who turn out and vote. Right. And with a lot of key issues surrounding college, surrounding health care, surrounding retirement, you know, the longevity of Social Security, you know, we're seeing a lot of younger uh, generations turning out to vote, being vocal, and participating in in the overall uh, democracy of our country. And, you know, I think this poll shows that that our younger generations are becoming more engaged and have a clear understanding of what is happening within our legislature and within politics and would like to see some change that's going to help improve them and other generations beyond. In, in In my gut, that's the lit fuse in this whole thing. 
Absolutely. When you, got, when you, you know what I mean? When you've got numbers like that inside a cohort that's that narrow, 18 to 34, that's a very important voting block, as we all know. Uh, that's going to be heard, I think. That's where I think this poll is going to have a lot of legs. It, it really has just uncorked a lot of interesting things. Mario, I got one last question. Maybe it, this always happens. I say I have last question, then more come to mind. But is there is there agreement inside Common Cause or the folks you're working with on length of session? Meaning, are, are, are we ready to immediately go to a 12-month deal? Or do we have to sneak up on this? Four months, six months? Is, is, is there early indications of what might be palatable for New Mexicans to vote on at some point? Well, you know, there, there hasn't been anything concrete, but I, I can say what has been kicked around is having two 60-day sessions and or a 60 and a 90-day session. So essentially increasing them in, in 30-day increments. Okay. Uh, that, way, that way, you know, they have better time to focus on legislation um, and, and better time to vet that legislation. We've discussed this on the show many times. What will we stomach, so to speak, for a legislative session? If it's four months, six months, as Mario was saying, a couple of 60s, uh, I've, I've heard, you know, 90 day minimum Mario would be best for a lot of folks out there. And again, this is part of the feedback loop that this poll is going to generate. So I'm not expecting you to have a final answer here, but why not go for the gusto? Meaning if we get some traction on this in the next couple of sessions, why not put a drop dead date out there that says, guys, this is when we're going to a full-time legislature could be five years down the road, two years down the road, whatever the case may be. What, and just kind of go for the gusto that way. Would that be an appropriate way to go after this? Well, you know, I, I think that the, the angle that we're all looking at it from is, is, is again, equity as well. Okay. Um, so if we're going to be having a, a, a 60 day, 90 day session versus a, a, a full year, uh, you know, legislature, you know, now we have to talk equity and pay, right? Are we going to pay them for 60 days, 90 days and, and, and staff? Or are you looking at paying them for this being their full time job? But also, again, keeping in mind the vast majority of our, our legislators are either already employed uh, and are taking time off, uh, many of which uh, e even are, are private business owners and, and are losing money uh, uh, by having to go and, and work at the legislature, which, as you mentioned, uh, uh, former Representative McMillan, that was a big reason for him uh, leaving as well was, you know, I'm losing money at my practice. Right. Um, so I think we, we also need to look at this from an equity standpoint as we're looking at discussing, discussing the lengthening of the sessions. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm wondering, Mario, if there's another poll yet to be put out there. I mean, there's always the initial poll that gets people to open their eyes. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering if another one from Common Cause down the road to talk about these things like length of session, like what would you prefer? You know, those kind of open-end questions. Is that something in the planning stages? Well, that's actually a great question, and, and we do have a second phase coming on. Uh, what we're looking at doing is putting on a few focus groups. Uh, mm. That way we can have some more in-depth conversations uh, with New Mexicans about these various topics. Rather than just asking them a few questions, give them some actual uh, background and, and hear some, some feedback from them on what do they feel would be the best avenue? As you mentioned, should we go to a 60 day? Should we go to a full year? Mm -hmm. uh, uh, what is it that you feel would be best uh, to address these, these various shortfalls that we currently have in our legislative sessions? Interesting points all of uh, the whole discussion. Mario Jimenez, Executive Director of Common Cause New Mexico. And, and again, uh, give the website one more time in anticipation of having the poll results up there in a couple in a few days. Yeah, that'll be commoncause.org. Anybody and everybody can go to commoncause.org. Select your own state. If you're another state, see what we're up to across the country. 
you can join in and, and help further the conversation. And I want to extend our help in any way we can at New Mexico PBS on those statewide conversations, Mario. We would love to be able to help facilitate that conversations. What we do, you know, we wake up thinking about how do we get people to talk about these things every day. Uh, and I have to say again, I think it's a seminal uh, poll. Polling can be quite revealing. And I think this is one of those examples where it, it sort of snaps everybody into the same place. We've all been sort of thinking we're all, you know, individually thinking we think this or we think that. This has sharply focused mm -hmm. a situation. And I'm very curious how many legislators will take this seriously and be willing to have a public discussion that we can all watch through our transparency uh, during the next legislative session about how we want to see our governance done here. Because it's important. You know, the world flips over way too fast to have financial discussions every two years. Yeah. It's just not going to work anymore. And I think folks have clearly have picked up on that. Absolutely. And I really appreciate you bringing me to the discussion. Um, as I mentioned earlier, very important topics. Uh, really looking forward to furthering the, 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 furthering the discussion with yourself and viewers. Um, again, thank you. Really appreciate you putting this on and helping us bring attention to these very important topics. Absolutely. It's our pleasure, as always, Mario. Appreciate that. And to the whole crew over there, Didi and everybody, we'll, you know, um, whatever way we can help. Thank you, Gene, for that interview and to Mario for speaking with us. We're going to stay focused on the state legislature and the upcoming session over the next few months. That includes a session preview show on NMPBS airing on December 30th. Gene will talk with a group of our political insiders about some of the items that are sure to come up in the 2023 session, and correspondent Russell Contreras will sit down with Democratic nominee for Speaker of the House, Javier Martinez. Again, that's on NMPBS airing December 30th. Of course, thank you for listening to the podcast. If you like the show, check out New Mexico and Focus Friday nights at 7 on NMPBS. If that doesn't work for you, we always repost the show on our YouTube channel. We post individual segments there too, so you can watch it whenever you have the time. Also, keep an eye out on our social media pages. That's Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We post updates throughout the week and previews leading up to our show on Friday nights. Thanks again, everyone. I'm senior producer Lou DeVizio for Monday, December 5th, 2022. This is New Mexico in Focus, the podcast. Have a great week, everyone.